Hey there, I'm Sasha. I'm a doctor, I'm a mom, and I'm a founder. I believe that women are overwhelmed and exhausted. So I founded a company called Brave Enough. Brave Enough helps thousands of women find clarity, set boundaries, and gain control of their lives. So welcome, sit back, and let's get into the good stuff. In season three, episode 12, Sasha interviews the multi-talented Dr. Shola. She's the CEO of Balance with Dr. Shola and Physician Heal Yourself brand. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. It is your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I am so honored to have this guest on today. She is a powerhouse. She has over 20 years of clinical experience in internal medicine, and then she did what is probably one of the most courageous things a physician can do. She changed the trajectory of her career and followed a new passion, which is coaching physicians who are burned out. And she's just an amazing person. I've been following her for years on social media, and I'm so honored to have Dr. Shola with Balance with Dr. Shola and also the owner of Physician Heal Yourself on the show. So welcome to the show, Dr. Shola. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored you're here. And you and I were talking about so many things before the show that we were like trying to figure out what we were going to talk about because we could be talking about 50 different things. Absolutely. (laughs) So, okay. I want to share with everyone. I know you and I've kind of watched you, you know, pivot. um, But I want you to share with people who don't know you. Talk about you know, this very traditional path, which most of us find ourselves on, which is medicine or law or engineering or whatever, you know, we kind of come out, we have this very traditional like career path. And then you pivoted, talk to us about what, why you did that and, and the courage it took. Okay. How many minutes do you have? (laughs) (laughs) So I, I'm, I come from Nigeria and I went to, I grew up in Nigeria, went to medical school in Nigeria. And um, in Nigeria, uh, let's just say that your parents do have a lot of control over what you become in a lot of instances. And um, becoming a doctor was almost in the cards for me. Mm. Um, I'm not sure anyone ever asked if I wanted to become a doctor. I was just... um, you know, it was it was just the thing that Shola was going to do. And I just remember just knowing this my whole life. Really? So, now, were your parents yeah. physicians or this was something that they just that was just expected of you? So my mother is a nurse. She's retired. And my father was a chemist. Um, so all things in our house, there was almost always something about all things medical. Got it. So growing up, there was this, I would say. Not to put too fine a point on it, you were kind of groomed. <laughs> you know, my, my mother showed us. I, I remember reading medical textbooks very young and being her 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 medical textbook. I'm being so interested in it. And she'd mm. be telling me about all these cases and things they saw in the hospital and so even though I wasn't I wouldn't say I wasn't forced into medicine, but I was I was um gently prodded <laughs> along the path. <laughs> You know, and I was the only girl. I was the good girl. And I continued to just become interested in medicine because the truth is that if you keep showing somebody the same thing over and over again, they'll, you know, they'll become interested in it. Um, Of course, I passed my exams. I was that I was that bright, overachieving A, A plus kid. Right. So it fit right in. Because I think if I was a D student, nothing wrong with D students, they would have had a problem with that. Um, (laughs) um, Or if I was maybe all I wanted to do was sing or whatever. I wanted to do that too. But the, the interest in medicine was groomed very, 
very early. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I remember an incident where um, I wanted to play sports, and my father was like, "Sports? What's that?" You know, and it was like kind of like, "Yeah, no." But you know, you could go to the library and here's, you know, and get some books. <laughs> That's hysterical. So you were you were on the path to becoming a physician very early. That was predestined for you. More or less. More or less. But as I grew older, I started to become more interested in, you know, other things. Incidentally, today I was looking for some documents and I and I saw a book. Um, you know, these things that you write, like a journal. I, had, I was writing this when I was 19 years old, and I had written this whole discourse on relationships. And I was mm. like, and I'm looking at this at 43, and I'm look, I said, I thought to myself, how did I know so much when I was 19? Mm. And this was completely non-medical. Wow. I know. And who and who would have thought that you would be helping people now? in their relationships with themselves, with other people they work with, with Indeed. their career. So talk to us a little bit about what you're doing now and how you made that change from medicine to kind of healing the healers. Exactly. Um, healing the healers. I like that phrase. I'm going to have to borrow that one. <laughs> um, when I was in, so I did medicine, then I went to England, I practiced, then I came here and I started residency here being the United States of America. And in early on in my career, in my residency, I burnt out. I really, really burnt out. But I recovered. And um, because people ask me, oh, did you burn out? And that was why you switched. And that the answer is absolutely not. Hmm. Um, I recovered. But I, one of the things I realized in my own recovery was that the system didn't change before I recovered. My recovery was my own journey. And I was armed and armed with that coming out of residency. I just had this inkling of wanting to help physicians not go through what I went through or be able to meet them where they are and help them through. Mm -hmm. But of course, I didn't know how I was going to do all that. I was, you know, I did residency. I wasn't attending, you know. So when you don't know what to do, what you start with cobbling what you know. So I've, I've always been a writer. So I started, I wrote this, I wrote one book and then another, and then, and then I became a coach and doors started opening. Hmm. And so, so when did you start that? When did you start coaching? Oh, I have been a coach for the last, since 2015. That was when I got my certification and already feeling like, look, I'm on a mission here. I didn't, I didn't second guess myself. The minute I got my certification, I was open for business. <laughs> <laughs> You're what I call a quick starter. You're like me. I'm like, okay, when can I start tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. You know, yep. I have physician coaches who are my clients who are, who are, they come to me because they want to build a successful coaching business like I have done. And I'm like, so are you ready to get your first client? And they're like, what? I'm like, you're certified, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But we always think that everything must take so much time. If we've, you know, if you're in the profession, because I know there's a lot of non-physicians listening too. If you're in the profession where it's taken you a long time to require your, the experience to do your job or training, mm -hmm. you kind of have that mindset for everything. Yes. Yes, indeed. Like when I started Brave yeah. Enough, I remember someone mm -hmm. actually saying to me um, in academia, who I looked up to, he said to me, well, you don't have a degree in women's studies. Good grief. 
But the you bad are, thing was I actually degree. took that to heart for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I like went online and I researched. I was like, maybe I need a degree. And then I was like, what am I talking about? I am a woman. <laughs> You're a degree. You're I have a whole degree of life. Degree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. We often, you know, we find all the reasons not to start something. Don't you agree? Yes. I completely agree, but I was not going to be that person anymore. I love it. So how, how did you break it? I mean, when to, to your family, to your, your work, I mean, how did you kind of come into the decision to pivot your career from taking care of patients to taking care of physicians? Like that's a big decision. Like that's not something small that you make. Um, so how did you come to that? Like, how, how did you get the courage to make that decision? Well, um, hmm. okay, so how did I get the courage to make that decision? I think for me, I made little small changes over a period of time. So it didn't feel like I was making this huge leap. Okay. So let me explain. I First of all, I told my husband, I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to be, be I want to be a life coach. And he's like, well, um, seems like, you know, he's like, well, seems like a good idea. What will it entail? Right. So obviously he's asking the questions like, what will it entail? And, you know, I have to do this certification and all of that. And then the only thing he said to me is that, well, I mean, I think it's great, but just remember there's going to come a time where it feels like work and doesn't feel so exciting. Just make sure that when that time comes, you don't, you know, give up. Mm. That was pretty much all he said. Wow. So I was um, doing it side by side with work, obviously, until it became profitable to where, you know, I didn't need work, quote unquote, anymore. But it was like this little changes. So I came back. I was open for business. Then I had one client and then another and then another. It was just I would say it was more of a slow climb. Some people go, oh, I'm going to burn this up, this thing down and then start this new thing. That was that really wasn't it for me. So it didn't feel like taking this big, um, courageous leap. It just felt like slowly and slowly um, letting go of what, you know, needed to be let go in order to take up what needed to be taken up. Oh, I love that. I love that because there's so much wisdom there. I think sometimes, especially as women, we define ourselves by a title or by our label, mother, Mm -hmm. doctor, lawyer, teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, sister, wife. Um, And sometimes we think that if we go, we, we start to change and transition from one thing to another, it has to be really dramatic. And I think we often think, well, I won't be this thing then. How, what will my identity be? Instead of Mm. understanding that part of the journey is, is changing in life. Like I hope in 10 years, I'm not doing what I'm doing now. I hope I'm doing something different. I hope it looks different. And I think that we're afraid of that as women often, like we think, what will people think or, or what's wrong with me? You know, we always tend to, I always say women always think something's wrong with them. Yes. (laughs) Always, always. I tell people and I tell my clients, there's nothing wrong with you. I actually had a client who was Um, interestingly enough, was kind of, she asked me for feedback and she was expecting negative feedback. And I was like, there is nothing about you that is negative. And she couldn't believe it. But, but, you know, that was, I was like, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't see anything negative in her. And she could not believe it. Yep. Couldn't. I know. I know. It's (laughs) really, well, and it's hard because 
you know, the world around us tells us mm-hmm. that we something's wrong with us. And yeah. everything that we read, especially now, um, oh. I think after the year of 2020, it's like we're all being called to be better people, more aware, more in tune of our bias and everything, which is awesome yep. and great. Yep. But what I think we've lost is this... I awareness that you can be working on yourself. You can be learning about your own bias or learning about a we a struggle you have or learning how to uh-huh. forgive yourself. At the same time, you can be putting yourself out there and trying new things and growing. Like yeah. you're not meant to wake up every day feeling bad about who you are. You're actually no. supposed to wake up every day feeling good about who you are and being and having the courage to work on yourself, but not in this state of like, I'm a bad person. Does that make sense? (laughs) You're allowed to be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Mm, I love that. Yes. Yes. And why do you think it's, it's what, do you think women struggle with? I mean, I know you coach men and women, but do you, do you feel like there's a difference in how women perceive themselves and their weaknesses versus men? Yes, I do. Actually, I think that, okay, I'm going to go there. I think that because society has taught us to hate ourselves when we're not confronted with um, someone who agrees with self-hatred or a situation where somebody's telling you, no, you're fine. Um, it's almost impossible to believe. Mm-hmm. You see, it's impossible to be like, wow, I'm, 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 I'm really okay. There's nothing wrong with me. Of course, we all need work, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get better. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I, I, rem- I emphasize this to my kids all the time. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. We all need work. And I said, look, I need work too, but I'm not going around thinking there's something wrong with me because that's a disempowered place to start from. Right. When you start with, I'm a masterpiece, but a work in progress, as opposed to starting from, oh, I'm just, I'm just lazy. I'm just disorganized. I just procrastinate. And people internalize things that are not even meant to be internalized. For example, if my desk is untidy, it doesn't say, it doesn't really say any necessarily say anything bad about me. It just means my desk is untidy. So a man might see an untidy desk, but a man isn't going to go, oh, beat my beat himself up in sackcloth and ashes and call himself disorganized to the point where he becomes <laughs> crippled with his own thoughts. But women, that's what we do. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I know. I know. It's true. Well, and it's funny because like, I mean, you know, I always notice it the most whenever I go to the beach, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's all these women at the beach and there's, and they're with their male partners, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. you see women and they're like covering up every dimple and piece of imperfection. And then you see Mm -hmm. men who are like strutting around in surf shorts with guts and like, they don't care. I just, (laughs) I just laugh to myself. I'm like, that could, that dude's having the time of his life. He's being like the life of the party where the woman is like covered up and like, and it's just so funny funny to me, like how different we are and how I think there's all these messages all the time as women that we are just not enough. And the truth is like perfection is a 
moving target that you will mm-hmm. never hit. And it is mm-hmm. such a lie. Like yes. we are so ingrained to think that perfection is our gold standard. It's our standard in no. medicine. It's our standard in motherhood. It's our standard mm-hmm. as a, as a partner, as a life partner. What? It's ridiculous. Like there's no such thing as perfection. And yet we're all trying to chase it. No. And I call this. So this is specifically something I call doctor brain. Mm. Because with doctors, if you're imperfect, if something is imperfect, people die. Even when things are perfect, people still die. Right. But doctor brain, apart from maybe pilots and bridge engineers, doctor brain doesn't apply to every single thing in life. It doesn't apply to motherhood. It doesn't apply to having a podcast, having a non-life saving business, like say a coaching business. It doesn't apply to selling a book online. It doesn't apply to so many things. I always tell people to think of Steve Jobs. Imagine if Steve Jobs was waiting for the iPhone 12. We would not have seen an iPhone 3 or four, or five, or six, or seven, or eight, or whatever. Right now, I think we're on the 12, or 13, or 20, 100. But perfection is not required. But excellence is always possible. Mm, I love that. So what does excellence mean to you? I have my own definition of excellence that you will not find in any dictionary. (laughs) Okay, share it with us. (laughs) The Dr. Shola definition of excellence is this, doing the best you can with what you have. Mm. And anybody can do that. So if let's say you, you know, all you can afford to feed your kids is McDonald's, you know, maybe that's what you're going to have to eat. Maybe if uh, you can't afford a nice fancy website, but you can do a, a, somebody can help you with a $200 one that will just look okay. That's what you can, that's what you can do. You know, so doing the best you can with what you have is all that's required. And I'm telling you, every single woman on the face of the earth is doing the best they can with what they have. I love that. And it's so true because instead of being proud of ourselves for getting through the day and, you know, bringing home chicken McNuggets, we compare ourselves. We instantly go, okay, we fed our kids chicken McNuggets, but she made a, you know, homemade sushi and works and does it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that is not our lane. That is not our calling. That is not, you know, and I mean, it's like, you have to have the courage to recognize that you have to focus on what excellence is for you. I mean, you know yes. this. Um, I recently made a big change in how I spend my online presence and online time and really yeah. how where I'm taking my company. And I faced a lot of backlash for that. And people, mm-hmm. many people who are who are supported me were very like, oh my gosh, like, are you sure this is the right thing? You know, how are you going to maintain your business? And, and, and they, these were like my supporters, right. And they would often bring up other people, you know, like, well, how are you going to do like this person does it this way or how, and I, and it's so easy for me to go, man, I got to follow in this person's footsteps or I got to do it like Mm -hmm. she's doing it. But the truth Mm -hmm. is we are all called to our own lane to run our own race. Yes. (laughs) And we have for business. Yes. And we have to, (laughs) we have to really embrace our own race and stop comparing ourselves to one another. Because let me tell you, there's things that Shola 
does better than Sasha and Shola always will. There's things Sasha does better than Shola and vice versa. Instead of comparing ourselves, we need to embrace our own unique strengths. Mm -hmm. I agree. And embracing your own unique strengths and staying in our lane really starts with loving ourselves for who we are and where we are at the moment. Because here's the thing, you cannot hate yourself enough into a version of yourself that you will love. I love that. Can you say that again? Say it again. Bring it to us. You cannot hate yourself into a version of yourself that you will love. Oh my gosh, I love that. I hit sky. I got chills when I, (laughs) yes, yes, you do. So how do you help people love themselves in your classes? Like, how do you do that? Yes. I, um, so part of what I do is I try to, I do my best to get people to see themselves outside of how society sees them and outside of, you know, comparing themselves to other people. Because the truth is that if you learn to center yourself in your own life, you will not be moved easily by what everybody and their mama are doing. So, for example, um, when I talk about centering, when you, again, when you tell people center yourself in your own life, again, a lot of people of faith are very, you know, oh, my goodness, that sounds selfish. But actually, it's not selfish. Right. It's making you the center of your own life because guess what? If there's no you, the rest of it doesn't exist. So how about we start with you? Who are you? What do you want out of life? And then go from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we start that, then you, you, you're you less susceptible to comparing yourself to uh, Sasha or Shola or Susan down the road or anybody else. Because you've made up your mind that this is your own lane and this is where you stay. But you can't do that until you're comfortable in your own skin about who you are. Embrace all of it. Because wherever you go, there you are. Self-hatred guilt, shame, all those things, they disempower us from being our best selves. They make us always look outside for a better thing. And that's why I tell my clients, you are enough and you're good enough. I don't do that whole, you know, speak to the pain points thing. I'm like, no, you're fine. (laughs) I know. I know. It's funny because, and I'm, I mean, and this is, this is real life. Like I, I think, if you, unless you've been living under a rock and you made it through 2020, uh, there was this overwhelming, at least for me, maybe, maybe you didn't experience this, but the more time I spent online, the more worse I felt. And it took me, but I also felt like I, it it was like my moral obligation or something to do that. Mm -hmm. And it was just this weird cycle of like, I have to help everybody. I have to stay positive, but yet I'm feeling really bad about myself. And, Mm -hmm. um, it took me until about September until I kind of started falling apart through the pandemic Uh and I hit the pandemic wall. And then I went to and asked, um, my, I went to and got therapy and my therapist said, the therapist I met with, she said, where's all this negativity coming from? And I, you know, said, Mm -hmm. well, it's really coming from online. And she's like, get off, uh, get offline. And I said, well, I can't because I have this like responsibility online. And it was this internal struggle. And I realized Mm -hmm. like that, um, that it was feeding my ego because I felt Mm -hmm. like I needed to be I, I had to help people, which, which comes from, a, it starts in a good place, right? Good place. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes um, we struggle with loving ourselves because 
we are in a situation that is either toxic, that we don't recognize that it's toxic. It's like the frog getting in the warm water and then the you know, yep. dies because you don't recognize it. Like none of us are going to go into a toxic place where people like open a door and people start throwing things at us. We're not going to stay in yep. that place. We're going to go yep. into a place that is kind of okay. And then maybe it starts to make us feel bad, but we think, well, we should be bettering ourselves. So we're just going to stay here and take this. But it's like, it's like, that's actually not healthy for us. It doesn't mean that when we leave that place, we're perfect and we, we don't have to still work on ourselves. That's not it at all, but it's a balance. And I think one of the reasons that like I have always been drawn to you on social media is because you you are, you, you know, when I read what you write, I am often challenged, but I'm never shamed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's a very tricky thing. Like I will read something you post and it's not that you're, you're not calling me to be better or making me think about something in my life that's not right, but you're not shaming me in the process. And I think social media right now is like shame central. <laughs> yes. Yes. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, being in a toxic environment, like you said, can actually feel like the boiling frog because as the woman, you always internalizing, you internalize your mm-hmm. and internalize until you've literally contorted yourself into an emotional and mental pretzel. Yeah. And you don't even realize it's toxic. You don't even know it's toxic till someone else goes, uh, what are you doing there? Right. Yeah. Yes. You know, somebody goes poke. I mean, I was in a situation where I was in a toxic environment. It didn't start off toxic, like you said, for nearly seven years. Mm. And then when I finally left, I called one of my friends and he said, oh, so the masochist in you finally had enough. Yes, but it's true. And it's hard because I think sometimes, you know, what what I have had to understand in my life is what is toxic for me may not be toxic for someone else and vice versa. And that's okay. But it doesn't mean that it's where I'm supposed to be. Again, Mm -hmm. we just tend to compare ourselves and we think we try to jump in each other's races or lanes. And I mean, the reason you're successful is because you are you. Exactly. I'm me. Unapologetically me. I love it. I love it. So how do you, how do you manage your social media presence? That's a good question. So I am on social media for a reason. And I I think that's very important to define why you're on social media in the first place. Mm. Okay. So, because when you do that, then you can kind of chart a clear path for yourself and decide what you're going to use social media for. I am on social media to run my business. Therefore, I, you know, I to run my business, obviously to connect with people and like minds like you. I mean, we met on social media. Yeah. As I love, look, I love social media, but I'm not on social. One thing I'm not on social media is to do is to fight with people. Yeah. <laughs> I so, know. I know. But so many people are, Shola. It's crazy. Some people. So some people are on social media to fight. So if you're trying to draw me into a fight, I'll be like, peace and blessings. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye-bye. If you come to my page to start a fight, I will block and delete you and throw you in, into the garbage. I, I, but the funny thing, I might see you in person and I'll hug you. But you know what? I will choose 
not I may choose not to interact with you on the Facebook or social media platform if you're too argumentative. And I love that. And I, I love that because it's so <laughs> empowering. Like you do not have to fight with everybody who picks a fight with you. And that doesn't mean that you are like there's this whole thing like silence means that is is saying something. No, it no. doesn't. No, I don't know who made that up, but that's actually not true. (laughs) Everything is not true in... Here's one thing I've realized, too. Every quote is not true in all contexts. Everything has a context. Thank you. Yes. I tell my kids this. I'm like, there's good, there's bad, and there's appropriate. And appropriate depends on context. There's nothing wrong with wearing a bikini. But if I jump outside in the snow with a bikini, I'll look like a mad person because it's the wrong context. I know. And, and, and it's interesting because so many people I know, and this is something I've had to learn. I had to learn this. Like this was hard for me. Um, I control my social media. So if social media is making me feel horrible about myself, that's on me. Like, I got to figure out how to either get off of it or change my Mm -hmm. feed. But like, I know so many people are like, I'm really struggling on social media. I'm like, then get off social media or take a break from social media or follow different people. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not a bad person. If you decide to do that, I think it's precisely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I delete people right, left and center. I, my (laughs) block list is like a hundred people long. There are groups that I won't follow. There's people I've blocked on messenger. I'm like, my block game is strong because I operate from this premise. I am the sovereign and the CEO of my life. Mm. I decide what I'm going to allow in. And you know, if, you're and again i i I have this you know in when i'm in when i'm having a queen moment i'm like i decide who comes into my court (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it no it's so true it's like i mean i can't tell you how many times i mean it's taken me years to go wait a minute why am i letting someone i've never met Mm -hmm. who has is having a day project their anger on me and ruin my day Why am I doing that? Like, why? Life is already hard with the people that you deal with every day in your real life. Why would you let people you don't know on social media project their anger on you? Like you, you just, it's just not worth it. Like there's no, no, there's no argument you're going to win. Nope. You know, so you and I are very similar that way. And I, um, I just want to say, I, I just appreciate your voice on social media and I appreciate how you, you call people to action. You know, you're very honest and open about bias and harassment and discrimination. And, but you, you never like, you make me want to be better. You don't make me feel like I am crappy. I don't even, I can't, because this is the human nature. Exactly. If if the human, if, if someone sees something that makes them feel bad, they're not going to stop and think about it. They're just going to go scroll past it. And the the things that we want people to work on, we have to call them in and invite them in to be better. Right. Like to give more or to see things differently. And we Mm -hmm. all see the world differently, but if we don't invite people in to recognize that, if we shame them for seeing the world differently, they're never going to see it the way we see it. No, they're never going to because shame 
you know, when you think of shame, what do you think of hiding your face, you know, hide your face in shame, shame and denial and guilt go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And anything you hide from, obviously, you're not trying to go going to try to see it better. But if we can call people out in a loving manner, maybe, you know, throw throw some spice in there, you know, yes, absolutely. But not in a shaming way. You know, and I even my clients I work one on one with, I said, look, hmm? At the end of our coaching time together, I want you to have, I want you to feel good about everything because when you feel good about the things we talk about, you will go and do them. You're right. not going to feel good if I shame you. No. And then you're not going to want to do anything. No. So it's true. How about we throw the shaming outside because the world shames us enough as it is. Yes. Why would I go on my social media page or do it to my clients? It doesn't serve me or anybody else. No, it's so it's so true. And I think some people would call you and I like positive, you know, positive toxicity that, you know, that's a whole thing. I'm like, since when is being positive toxic? Like, that's kind of crazy. But but I because I I wake up every day and I have to tell myself today you're going to be positive. It's not like I wake up out of bed and I feel wonderful and like a princess. Like, (laughs) no, I look in the mirror and I go, oh, gosh, I look older than I did yesterday. And I have so much I have a difficult case today. And oh, I got to take this child here. I struggle, but I it's hard to be positive. But I know that's the only way I'm going to give myself grace and other people grace is to stay Mm -hmm. positive, you know? So, okay. Tell us, tell everybody listening how they can find you, where they can find you. Tell us a little bit about your coaching program. Okay. Um, I have a bunch of websites, but the one to start with is my first name, last name.com. That's shalaizokoli.com. So if you're a physician, there's a tab to click through. Are you a doctor? For We have something. My husband and I have a little um, foundation that we have for married couples. You can click through to there. You can send me an email, info at shalaizokoli.com. That is my email. I answer and I do my best to answer all emails within one business day. So obviously, if you send me an email at 10 p.m. at night, it will not be answered at 10 p.m., but <laughs> I will get to it within a business day. <laughs> but that's the easiest way to reach me. Um, I work with physicians, yes, but I also work with other people. I know my niche, as it were, is physician coaching, but believe me, I've worked with people all across the spectrum, all races, uh, ages. Um, I've worked with people much older than me. I've worked with teenagers. I've worked with people with disabilities and ADHD. I mean, it's funny how, it, you know, even though I'm quote unquote a physician coach, people come to me from all walks of life. And you know, the human condition is the same, right? People in other professions suffer burnout. People in other uh, walks of life suffer different kinds of things. People want change. People want um, things um, to be different. And that's where I step in to help. So Mm. first name, last name, shalaezokoli.com. And from there you can find my links to everything else, my podcast, my YouTube channel, everything else is on is through there. I and, love um, it. I love it. And we will make sure all of that information is in the show notes. And oh my goodness, is she not amazing? You guys, she's just phenomenal. And uh, she is somebody that encourages me all the time on social media. I don't even have to engage. I just have to read her things and I just feel better about myself. And I also feel called to action. Thank you. So thank you for your voice and the work that you're doing for so many. I know of so many women who have you've helped and I see you. I see the work you're doing. I appreciate you. And I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. And thank you so much for having me um, on the show. I um, when I received the invite for your podcast, because I thought, you know, of 
being on your show, but I was like, well, I don't know how to do this. And then, <laughs> then I'm thinking, I'm sure people send their messages all day long, so I'm not going to do that. And, you know, here I am sitting and you're like, I just, this thing just popped in my inbox. I think I was even in a conference. So at the, so it's funny. We were in, we, I was in a conference during the break. So right after the break, I said, I typed in the chat. I was like, so excited. I said, a big wig doctor just invited me on her show. <laughs> <laughs> You are hilarious. I was honored. I'm just honored. And and you and I were recently on a panel together and it was hard for you and I not to take over the panel because we were like, I was feeling it. I know. Same, same, <laughs> Through the you know? Zoom, I was feeling it. I could tell that we were synced. <laughs> yes. Yes. I even quote, I even posted what you, what you said on the panel. Actually, it was my social media post the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, everyone. And we will put all of Dr. Shola's information again so you can follow her on social and you can find out about her coaching programs. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.